Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Thank you for your word. I've prayed, Lord, 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2, that your word has free reign today, that your your word has no obstacles to keep it from being received. Lord, I pray, Acts 6, 7, that as your word increases, the number of disciples increase and multiplies. Thank you, Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. Your word builds us up. And it gives us a living inheritance, an inheritance of hope. And Lord, I thank you, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, your word is working effectively in us. Your word is working effectively in this body. And we thank you for it in the name of our Lord Jesus. And if you agree, would you just say amen? Amen. I'm very, very excited to be continuing a message that we launched last week. And it's entitled Devoted Prayer, because prayer changes everything, including me. And how many you know, sometimes it's not the situation that we need changed. Sometimes it's really us and our view of the situation that needs to change. Sometimes situations need to change. But many of the things that we go through in life can be improved and, and can be uh, the, the battle, as we talked about. The, the battle can be fought on our knees and in prayer. Let me just encourage you more than any probably message I have this year. If you were out last week, I encourage you, please get on the podcast If you're not a podcast person, get Jared or Bethany to make you a CD. I believe the Lord really led us down a path last week in devoted prayer that will help everybody in the room. I confessed some things about how I've been praying wrong and how the Lord has really been working in me about a better prayer life. And for those of you that were not here, we had everybody go through and write down three or four things that they were devoted to. And many people put family. And how many know we should be devoted to our family? Many people put our jobs. Many people, we, we should be devoted to our jobs. Many people put missions as a church that we're devoted to missions. And, and we should be devoted to missions. And people put worship. And, and many of us put so many things on there. But what I wanted to change our thinking and change our mind is very few people, actually one person, actually put the word prayer under the little category as something that they were devoted to or that our church was devoted to. And that's nobody's fault in the building except me as the pastor. As the pastor, I we've got a lot of things going on. we got some good programs. And yes, we pray. And yes, I pray as a pastor. But would you characterize our church as a church wholly devoted to prayer? Would you characterize your life as a life devoted to prayer? And sadly, it's it wasn't one of the first things on my radar as I would look at my life and the things I'm devoted to. But it really is the pattern in the New Testament. How many of you were here last week and, and you felt like the Lord really spoke to us about a new, fresh devotion to prayer. I had more people come up after that message and share what the Lord was speaking to them. Even this morning, talking to some of you, you confirmed that the Lord had been speaking to you. So I really believe as a body, the Lord is moving us in this way uh, to, to go to new levels in our family, to go to new levels in our church and new levels in our love and new levels in our compassion and new levels in our effectiveness in God's kingdom, we have to go to a new level of prayer. And it starts with me as a leader. It starts with me as a family. And I, I'm so proud of my family. If you see my kids, 
Uh, even Noah, even Lillian, Tate doesn't really know what's going on yet, but uh, he likes to pray and hold my hand. So when I pray, I walk with Tate. And, but man, I'm telling you, my kids have jumped right in. They've not resisted this. They've not fought this. We're having dedicated times of prayer at my house where we've printed lists with your name on it. And we divide that list into quadrants of four, and we're mixing the list up. That way, if one person's prayer is more effective than the others, everybody's getting covered. And I'm teasing. That's a joke. But we're dividing it up, and my kids are taking that Pray the Word book, and they're praying over you, and they're calling your name out before the Lord. Last night, we spent time praying over this one-mile radius. Uh, we're going to begin to initiate prayer walks as a body where we just walk through and claim the neighborhoods. Do you know there are spiritual forces there are demonic forces. People get weird about this, but it is true. There are demonic forces that are territorial in nature, and the Scripture talks about that. It talks about rulers and principalities in the air and, 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 and evil spirits in heavenly places. And boy, it was fun last night trying to explain to my kids about the, the rulers of the air and heavenly places. And, and, but, you know, there's a territorial spirit. There's, there's demons assigned to the University of Tennessee. There's demons assigned to those students. And so for us to take that ground for the kingdom of God... The the way we fight that battle is through prayer. That is a way that we fight that battle. And again, people get weird, you know, weird on that sort of stuff, but it is nonetheless true that that's why we see a certain family or a certain uh, race or a certain culture or certain, and it looks like they always have this problem. They always have this challenge, and and they go, oh, that's a generational curse. And I believe it's a it's a demon assigned to that area, that region. Uh, even in our own zip code, you could say that there's possibly uh, demons assigned that keep people pressed in poverty keep people in violence, keep people in drug addiction. And how many know it's not just bad people doing bad things. There are demonic forces in heavenly places that we cannot see. And so God has planted us here as a river of living water. God has planted you on the campus as a river of living water. And how many know greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world? But the way that we fight these uh, forces and the way that we come against wickedness in high places and do you we we just don't realize that we are in a battle we are in a fight and and it's not a fair fight how many of you ever growing up in school knew that one kid who didn't fight fair he would pick up that was cares like yeah that was me you know <laughs> you pick up the rock you know you're there with your fist and he's coming with a knife or he's coming with a baseball bat or you know dirty you know what i've heard you know dirty fighters they just don't they don't play fair well listen ladies and gentlemen satan is not a fair fighter. He's a dirty fighter. Matter of fact, the Bible declares in John 10 that the thief who we can surmise to equate to the enemy in, in many senses, that uh, we can for sure say that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so he's not a fair fighter. He's out to kill you. We're out to just black an eye, and we're, you know, we're, we're just out to you know, win the fight, and he's out to kill you. He's out to kill your children. And we just passively sit by, and then wonder why everything in our life is falling apart. Well, I'm here to tell you today that the good news is greater is he that is in you, in you than he that's in the world. Jesus is our great prince over the princes of the air. But we've got to know how to activate God's power in our life. We've got to learn how to step into his authority and step into his provision. And the way we do that is by prayer. Now, that wasn't even the notes. That's just free. That isn't even a part of the introduction. You just get that for free. So when I say the word devoted, pull up the, the meaning here to the word devoted. It's the Greek word proskotereo, and it means to continue steadfast, constant, to be attentive. It means to persevere, to not faint. It means to be in a state of constant readiness. 
And so we showed you probably 10 to 12 scriptures last week. We won't look at them again, where specifically it was mentioned they were devoted to prayer. Devoted, constant, devoted, steadfast. The church was birthed out of a prayer meeting. The church was formed out of a 10-day prayer meeting. Acts chapter 2, the church began to take form and, and shape, and it says they were devoted now to teaching and to fellowship and breaking of bread and to prayer. And the church added form and process and systems, but they never subtracted prayer. And then we talked to you from Matthew, I believe it was chapter 11, where Jesus, uh, Mark 11, where Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of preaching. My house shall be called a house of benevolence. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of great worship. I mean, those are all good things. Wave at me. And preaching is a good thing. I enjoy it. Worship is a good thing. Let's do it. Worship is a part of prayer. Benevolence is a good thing. Can I have an amen? It's a great thing. But Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Not just for me, not just for this house, but our church is supposed to be a house of prayer. Now we are the body of Christ. We collectively make up the house of God. Some of you are a brick. Some of you are the mortar. Some of you are the windows and doors. Some of you are the chimney. You're just always blowing smoke. Praise God. We're the house of God. And somebody's like, yep, that's my neighbor over here. But it says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations which helps us not be selfish in our prayers. Yes, you need selfish prayer time. I spend a lot of time praying the word over my life and praying the promises of God over my family. But the Lord has been shifting me and helping me realize that it's not just about praying that I preach a good message on Sunday. It's about praying that for Angela in the spirit that her heart is so soft that when the word goes in her heart, fruit comes out. It's about praying for B.J. and Rinkum that they'll grow in grace and knowledge. And, and yes, Lord, please help me. Y'all agree. Please help the preacher preach. Please give me the words to say. But, but we spend so much time praying over us and ourselves and our family and our finances that we're not spending. Me, I've not been spending enough time praying over others. And I just believe you reap what you sow. And if I believe I'm sowing prayer into Brooke and Tyler, I believe I'm going to reap some of the things I'm praying for them. And I believe I'm going to reap somebody praying for me if I'm devoted to praying for others. We have about 10 prayers in the Bible that Paul prayed that are incredible. And you look at those and go, these are awesome prayers. And we want to pray them and believe them. And yes, but he's praying those for his congregation. He's praying those for his his church body. So the Lord is helping reroute our passion and devotion to prayer. Now, I want to give you just a few things this morning. I began to look at the Lord's Prayer. How many of you have heard of the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6? I think it's also found in Luke 11. Really, it could be called the Disciples' Prayer because uh, it's really Jesus teaching the disciples to pray. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, looking at that. Next week, we have a guest speaker. Let me just encourage you, please come next week. I've got a dear friend coming. Uh, they're going to be launching a church in Murfreesboro, and we're going to come, and, and he's a great preacher. He's an anointed man of God. I've known him about 20 years. His name's Johnny Chase. He's been here at our church before and spoke, and he's, he's just got a dynamic way the Lord uses him. So please come next week, and, and let's come with expectation that God's going to speak to us. And, but in the weeks coming after that, we're going we're gonna to take a look at the model of the Lord's Prayer because it really helps us. How many of you be honest and say, I have sat down to pray before and in about five minutes, like I had nothing else to say. How many of you be honest? Man, we've all felt that way. 
So I'm going to teach you some things. The Lord's Prayer really has seven elements, and it's divided into really four main sections. And, and it, it's not meant to be a, a root or a, a routine, just or a ritual, dry. But I'm going to teach you how to give life and freshness to your prayer life. How many of you would like a fresh, living prayer life? And so I began to meditate on the Lord's Prayer and break it down, and, and the Lord began to teach me some things. And then I was ready all week to preach on that. All week I was ready. And then I sat down yesterday morning, got up early, spent some time in prayer, and Noah was up. And you've learned in my house, if you get up early, it means you're praying with Dad. And so me and Noah, we're praying over you last yesterday morning at about 7.30. And he's thinking, I will sleep in from now on on Saturday mornings. But Noah, if you're awake, here's your prayer book. Let's go. Let's go at it. So we were praying. And man, I just sat down. And, and it's like you preachers in here know when the Lord just kind of downloads something in you. And you, you, you can't type it as fast as it's coming into your spirit. And I never got to even reviewing my notes on the Lord's Prayer because the Lord began to just birth in my heart. And he said, he, I believe in my heart, he, he led me to tell you the rewards of prayer. Before we ever get into how and why, there are some incredible rewards to, to when we pray. We're not going to look at the whole chapter, but Matthew chapter 6 says this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Matthew chapter 6, in its uh, 3 and 4, it says, When you give, your Father will reward. Say that with me. Ready? When you give, your Father will reward. And then on down in verses 5 and 6, it says, When you pray, your Father will reward. Would you say that with me? When you pray, your Father will reward. And then the one that nobody likes is 17 and 18. It says, When you fast, your Father will reward. Would you say that with me? When you fast, your Father will reward. So I I just, in my heart, and I shared a little bit about this on Wednesday night, and it's like the Lord, I, he, he asked me in my heart, I felt just sensed to say, what are some of the rewards when you pray? Does, does God not watch over his word to perform it? Does Jeremiah 1.12 not say God is watching over his word to perform it? Does Isaiah 55.11 not say that his word will never return void, but his word will do what it was sent to do, and his word will prosper and accomplish in our life? Well, his word said when you pray, there's a reward. When you fast, there's a reward. When you give, there's a reward. Can I have an amen on that one? I mean, we need a reward for our faithfulness and our giving. So I began to just think, what is the reward? And I had to shut the computer down and turn it off because I was like, okay, that's enough. That's enough revelation for one day. And I was like, this is enough. I can't cover more than this. And it's just like the Lord was just giving me some amazing things, some real radical rewards of prayer. How many of you thank God for alliteration? Now, notice I didn't tell you how many, lest you get weary, <laughs> lest you count. But we're going to give you 72 real. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. We're going to give you some real radical rewards of prayer. Are you ready? It's going to help you. This is why we are devoted to prayer. There's so many more, honestly, that we could cover. Number one, let's jump right into this today. Prayer is one way that we draw near to the Lord. Really, the the key of prayer is drawing close to God. The key of being devoted to prayer. Now, when I say the word devoted to prayer, thank God for praying in the shower. Thank God for praying when you're driving. Thank God for praying. We should pray at all times. But I'm talking about a constant, consistent time where you set aside nothing else to do except to devote some time for prayer. Maybe it's five minutes. Maybe it's 10 minutes. What I would encourage you to do is if you have to get up at 630, get up at 620. 
and devote a time with the Lord. Now, initially, you're going to have to really do it out of routine and discipline and make yourself do it. But there is such fruit and such value in a dedicated, devoted time where it's just where you schedule an appointment. I I don't get to take all of you to lunch just because of schedules. And man, I wish I could. But if I call one of you and say, hey, let's let's go to lunch. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to arrange my schedule around. How many know I would like you to show up and be there at that appointment? You show me value by showing up on time. You show me value by keeping your appointment. And so I'm here to tell you, God always keeps his appointment. God will never not show up at your prayer meeting. And so let's set that appointment. Let's put it on our calendars. Let's put it in our phones to buzz us and remind us. And what is that? It's saying, if, if I, if I plan a date night with my lovely wife and I arrange childcare, this, that, and the other, what am I going to do? What am I going to do, James? I'm going to put it in my phone. And when Machette calls and says, hey, you want to go play golf this Friday evening? I'll say, let me look at my phone. And I'll look at it. It says, date with Tara. Guess what I'm going to pick? Not going to play golf with Machette. If I want to stay married, can I have an amen? No, I'm going to pick the date with my wife because I've made it a priority. How many priorities make it onto the calendar? It's a priority for me to be at our men's breakfast each month, so I put it on the calendar. It's a priority for me to be at the chili cook-off because I'm going to win. Praise God. Hallelujah. My mother-in-law's like, under my dead body, you're going to win. She's a two-time reigning champion. Hallelujah. Come on, can we encourage Rita's famous chili? Praise God. But it's a priority for Friday night. I'm going to be at our hoedown and chili cook-off, and so it's on the calendar. So before you leave today, I want you to get your phone out if you can and pick one day, one time, and put an appointment with God. If it's 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 30 minutes, don't set a three-hour appointment if you're not even used to praying because you're gonna, it's going to be hard for you to keep that. So start with what you can really do. James 4.8 says, when we draw close to God, you'll see it on the screen, When we draw close to God, He draws close to us. Anytime you advance towards prayer and things of the Lord, God always advances toward you. I was teaching my son Noah a couple of weeks ago. We went to a UT game, and we weren't being weird about it or anything, but I just wanted him to know as we were walking through the crowd, quietly in your heart, just be be praying. It's just me and him, and, and I was teaching him, and I said, and we were just walking through the crowd. Tell me, you know, when you're in a big crowd, that's when you really need to be praying in the Spirit for safety, protection. People are crazy. And so and I said, Noah, let's be real sensitive in our heart. As we're praying, the Lord might, how many know we need to have Holy Spirit radar? I said, the Lord might lead us to somebody. We might get to go talk to somebody. We might get to pray with somebody. And you may be thinking, you're at a football game. You should be enjoying a football game. How many know there are lost, broken people at a football game? And I may be the answer to what they need. Obviously, Jesus is the answer, but I may be carrying that answer to what they need. How selfish of me to ignore the lost and hurting and broken because I'm at a football game. And so we were walking and praying, and all of a sudden, I just felt like, man, like God was with us. We we always know God is with us, and we know God's here and present. But I looked at Noah, and I said, do you feel that? Do you sense that? He said, yeah. I said, man, the Lord is just like, I wanted to go find a bathroom somewhere and just have an extended prayer time. I mean, it was, I just sensed just the Lord was with us as we're walking through this crowd. And and I told Noah, I said, anytime you advance towards relationship with God, he always meets you there. He always meets you there. So prayer is a way that we draw near to God. Look at Psalm 145, 18. 
What a powerful passage. The word of God declares the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. And that truth represents his word. I love Hebrews 4.16, the way the writer put this scripture out for us. He declares, let us come boldly to God's gracious throne. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. How do we find the grace to help when we need it the most? Through prayer, we boldly, with boldness and confidence, we approach God's throne. So it's a way that we can draw near to God. And the best promise here is when we draw near to God, He draws close to us without fail. God will never leave you disappointed. Number two, and it's not about what you feel. I don't feel something every time I pray. But I'm not praying for a feeling. I'm praying out of faith. I'm praying because it's God's Word. Number two, prayer helps us cast our cares on the Lord. Remember that old song? Take your burden to the Lord and leave them there. Remember that old song? I mean, you would like Brooke sing that instead of me. <laughs> I know just about everybody except my mother. My mother's the only one probably, Brooke, but uh, you know how mamas are. But, you know, take your burden to the Lord and leave them there. I heard a pastor one time in a counseling session with a man, and he, and he said, Brother, this is a big burden. Have you given this burden to the Lord? And the man looked back at the pastor and said, Oh, yes, many times. I'm going to give it to the Lord. Leave it there. Give your, And I'm not saying we don't persistently pray. I'm not saying we don't consistently pray. But to give something back, you have to take it back. If I give you a gift, I can't re-give you that gift unless I snatch it out of your grubby hands, right? Unless I take it back from you. So, yes, take your burdens to the Lord, but leave them there. Prayer is how we cast our worry and fear and anxiety Onto the Lord, but yet we, we, we cast it at the Lord's feet. We lay it down at the Lord's feet, and then we pray, and then before we leave, we're like, well, I better take that back with me. And then we are bearing our own burdens. Am I talking to anybody in the house? Am I the only one that's done that? And then we, we, feel, like, we feel like God needs our help to bear the burdens. That's a big burden, Jesus. Let me help you. But the Scripture says we are to cast our care on the Lord. Look at 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. The scriptures declare casting the whole of your care, meaning all of it, not just a part, not just trusting him in financing, but I can't trust him in my relationships. I can trust you in tithing, but Lord, don't tell me who to date. Somebody say, look out. Oh, I expected a better look out than that. <laughs> Y'all know that's good preaching. I'll trust you, God, with 10% of my money, but I'm going to date this guy even though he's a turkey and he's not really godly. And, and I know it's not your plan for my life, but, but I don't, you know, you know, y'all know what I'm saying? Do I need to dig, dig around there a little bit more? Cast the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and he cares about you watchfully. So when I pray and bring my needs and requests to the Lord, that helps me cast those burdens on the Lord. And I looked up that word cast in the original language, and it means to hurl and to throw. You get off me, burden. I'm taking you to Jesus. Jesus is going to bear this. If Jesus is bearing your burdens, there's no need for you to bear the burdens. Now, you may still have to walk out responsibility, but the weight of that matter is settled. That's his problem now. It's not mine. It's his problem. Cast it onto the Lord through prayer. Matthew 6, 8 said, Don't be like the hypocrites and pray like they do. 
And it says, because your father knows exactly what you need before you even ask. But then I love on down in verse 9, 10, we get into the Lord's Prayer. He says, but when you pray, pray this way. But when you ask, ask us this way. So yes, God knows what we need even before we ask. But the key is we have to bring the ask. We have to bring the prayer. Another scripture that just really illustrates casting our care, Psalm 52, 22. I love this. Psalm 55, 22 says, give your burdens to the Lord. Read it together. Ready? And he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. So we've got to learn to give our burdens, cast our worries and fears and anxieties onto the Lord. He wants to take them. He wants to help you. And prayer is one way that we can do that. Number three, this is a very, very real radical promise of prayer. This is a real reward of prayer. Prayer helps to eliminate worry and hurry out of our life. How you know when you, when you set 15 minutes to pray and you set your timer, whatever, you shut the phone off and turn it off or whatever, and you shut Facebook down. And how many know you are not in a hurry in those 15 minutes? There will be a settling. There will be a peace. And in your heart, you're going to go, I have nothing else to do for the next 15 minutes except love on Jesus and spend time with the Lord. So as I pray, it helps me to eliminate worry and hurry out of my life. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Jesus said, don't worry about these things, what you're going to eat. Now, I mean, I have a hard time with that one because I'm thinking about dinner come lunchtime. But this is, not, this is not thinking about what's for dinner. This is thinking about, hey, I don't have any money and I'm, I don't have any food. There's no money to buy food. If God doesn't provide, we're going to starve. This is total dependency on God. Don't worry about where your food's going to come from, what you're going to drink, what you should wear. How many know you should have your teenagers write that every day? Don't worry about what you should wear. I will not tell a story of a sweet young lady that I know, but it takes a long time for the ladies in my house to get ready. So I'm going to start quoting the scripture. Do not worry about what you need to wear. You look fine. How many ladies change multiple times? Y'all change like seven times, man. Dear Jesus, help us. But notice this here, verse 32. Notice this here. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. What are we going to do? How am I, well, listen here if you can, how am I going to provide for myself? What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What, how am I going to provide? These thoughts dominate the thoughts of unbelief. You know what? The, I sense the Lord just stirring in me right now. I, I didn't, I've never heard this. I've never written it in my notes. If it comes out weird, I'll clean it up later. But instead of the thoughts about what should I wear, what should I wear, what should I eat, what should I do, who's going to take care of me, instead of my thoughts being dominated by that, my thoughts should be dominated. How can I make sure Josh and Crystal have food? How can I make sure Rick and Susan have clothing? How can I make sure Kathy has her needs met? My mind as a believer should not be dominated on me and my problems. It should be dominated by you and your problems. That's good. Somebody write that down. I need to put that in another sermon sometime. It says, your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. So look at verse 33. This is the key to a, a meaningful, rewarded prayer life. Seek first God's kingdom. Above all, seek the kingdom of God. Seek his kingdom first and live righteously. And then he will give you everything that you need. What a tremendous Promise 34 says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow brings its own worries. 
Today's troubles are enough for today. Focus on today. Focus on give us this day our daily bread. God will lead you and guide you and provide for tomorrow. Look at Philippians 4, 6. Paul says, don't worry about anything. How many of you know if you didn't worry about anything, you wouldn't even have anything to think about? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. Man, I love it. It's, don't worry. Instead, pray. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. So prayer eliminates hurry and worry out of my life. Everybody say, I'm getting rid of worry. Say, I'm getting rid of hurry. You know, I think for this sermon today, we should practice eliminating hurry out of our life. Amen? Just take your watch and turn it around. Just turn around. That was a joke. Nobody got it. You're like, all right, I'm finding a new church. Number four. The fourth real radical reward of prayer is, ladies and gentlemen, guards our heart. Look at Philippians 4, 8. Not only does... Are we instructed to not worry and be anxious and carry anxiety, but pray? The same passage, Philippians 4, 7, says, Then you will experience God's peace. When do you experience God's peace? When you don't worry about anything, instead you pray. When do you experience God's peace? When you refuse to worry, refuse to be anxious, instead you pray. Pray about what? Pray about everything. Can you go back to verse 6, Philippians 4, 6? So then you will experience. Somebody say then. Then Then you will experience. When is the then? What is the then after? Look at Philippians 4 and look at verse 6. It says don't worry. When you don't worry and when you pray about everything, when you're telling God what you need, not only that, but you're thanking Him for all that He's done, then look at verse 7. Then. It says then you will experience God's peace. There's the formula. He's telling us, pray, don't worry. Offer thanksgiving with worship. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can even understand. His peace will guard your heart. Prayer builds a fence around the property of our heart. Doesn't let good things out. Doesn't let bad things in. Prayer is the spiritual boundary of our heart. So we should guard our heart. Prayer builds the fence around the property of our heart. Number five, the fifth real reward when we pray next week, next week after, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer and we're going to really see how easy it is to develop a prayer life through the model, the template that Jesus gave us. But the reason I I pray is because I have the promise God hears us from heaven. How many of you have ever said, God, do you hear me? Can you hear me now? Wait, let me get on my knees. Okay, can you hear me now? Wait, that's not right. Let me, let me do this. You know, can, can you hear me now? The heavens are not closed. When we pray, we have the promise God hears us. Look at this passage here. It's very familiar, Second Chronicles 7. Very, very familiar passage. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humility is not being inadequate But humility is being dependent. What this passage is saying, when my people will be dependent upon me, when my people will humble themselves, be dependent upon me, they'll pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. It says, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will restore their land. How many know our land needs some restoration? How many know our community needs some restoration? I have a promise that when I pray over our community... That God will hear from heaven and he will restore the land. 
We have a promise when we pray over Indonesia. We have a promise when we pray over UT campus, when we pray over your employment. We have a promise that God will hear from heaven and he will restore the land. But we always stop at verse 14. But I want you to see verse 15. This is as powerful, if, if not, uh, go back to verse 15, 2 Chronicles 7, 15. I want you to see this verse here. It says this, My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers made in this place. Say this with me. Say, when I pray, the eyes of God are opened and the ears of God are opened. You know, mothers are trained to hear their child cry. We've, it's just amazing to me when the babies were really babies, little. I would be sleeping. I'd be sawing logs, man. I'd, be, I'd just be out, wouldn't hear a thing. I would wake up and, and, and hear movement or whatever, and Tara would have the baby feeding the baby, and I'd say, how did you hear the baby? And she would say, it's, you know, she, how many know mothers are tuned to hear the cries of the child? Dads, man, I'll just be... You know, I'll be watching TV. I'll be sitting there watching football, and she'll be like, the baby's crying. Oh, oh, I didn't know. Oh, the baby's crying. Let me help the baby. But, man, mothers, there's just something about a mother. You just have this sixth sense about you to know when your children are crying. God has this amazing ability of billions of people in the world, billions of people praying, calling out to him. When Jim begins to pray and cry out to the Lord, his ear is attentive and his eyes are open. When I pray, I have the promise that God is hearing from heaven. Look at 1 Peter 3, 12. The scripture said, now I would pray this. If I were you, and I'm not, and if you were me, and aren't you glad you're not, if I were you, I would pray this to build faith. Lord, I pray, 1 Peter 3, 12, I believe it, I release my faith, I attach my faith to this promise that the eyes of the Lord Watch over those who do right, and that your ears are open to my prayers. And Lord, I know you're turning your face against those who do evil. Lord, I just pray, as I start my prayer life, I start with this verse many times. Lord, I thank you that your eyes are open and that your ears are open to what I'm praying. It's building faith that we will know that God is hearing from heaven. What about Psalm 34, 15? Just let the word minister to you this morning. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their cry for help. Number six, just a couple of more. Just 15 more. Hey, we're eliminating hurry out of our life. Amen? Could be worse. You could be in the hospital somewhere. Be glad you're here. This is not the worst thing that you could be doing today. Prayer helps us tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. Love Philippians 1.19. Philippians 1.19 says, Paul, he said, I know that as you pray for me, the Spirit of Jesus helps me. As you're praying for me in this Argentina trip, I know the Spirit of Jesus is helping me. I can guarantee you these two young missionaries, when they're in situations and with students, and they, they can feel the Spirit of Jesus helping them as we pray. If we really, let me just say this, if we, if we really believed that prayer released the Spirit of Jesus into situations, I believe we'd pray more. I believe, I believe we'd have a, a greater devotion to prayer. If we really believe that prayer changes everything, including me, I think it would be easier to have a devoted prayer life. But we, we, we forget and we lose sight of the, the prize. Look at Ephesians 3.16. So as they prayed, the Spirit of Jesus came to His aid. Look at Ephesians 3.16. 
And I pray for, for this, that his glorious unlimited resources will empower you. Guess what I'm praying over our church body? That his glorious and limited resources will empower you. Guess what I hope you pray over me and my family? That his glorious unlimited resources will empower me. And in my inner strength, I'll be strengthened in my inner man. And that I'll have strength through his spirit on the inner man. I would write that down if I were you, Ephesians 3.16. And I would pray that over your family. And I would certainly pray that over the church. And I would please ask you to pray that over me as a pastor. Prayer taps us into the, to the power of the spirit of God. Number seven, a reward of radical prayer through a relationship is it helps us resist temptation. One scripture here we'll look at, Matthew 26, 41. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation. How many of you can agree with this? For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The flesh is weak. So prayer helps us have the power and the fortitude to, to fight and resist temptation, whether that be a temptation for overeating, whether that be a lust temptation, whether that be a temptation uh, for something with money or finances, or will that be a temptation, whatever area it is, we can fight and resist temptation through prayer. Last one today, and this is so, so special. Number eight, the eighth radical reward, last one. The reason I pray is because my Heavenly Father takes delight in my prayers. How many of you would like to please the Lord? How many of you have children or have acquaintances and you like it when your children do things that delight you? This week at school, my sweet little Noah got a reward three times. Like I think it's a school record. They have this little thing where if they catch you doing something right, they give you a reward, which I love. I'm always looking to catch my kids doing something right. I have to really look hard to catch them doing something wrong. They do plenty of wrong, but I have to really make myself try to look at that. I'm not just out, what are you doing wrong? What are you doing wrong? I am really out, honestly, trying to catch my kids doing something right. Noah got three cards this week where people caught him doing something right. And he came home, and he was so proud of that. And you know what I did? I, I, I said, Noah, I said, man, that really makes me happy to hear about your character and your integrity. I'm so happy to know. He said, Dad, aren't you glad that people at school are seeing that I got good character? I said, yes. I said, let's behave a little better at home. <laughs> Thank God for what you do at school, but let's turn it up a little bit at home. And I said, you know what, Noah? I said, I'm so delighted that you, you got this. I said, you get, we're going to take you to Food City, and you get to pick the thing of ice cream that we're going to eat as a family. We're going to celebrate with ice cream. You get to pick the container of ice cream, whatever you want. He said, I can pick whatever I want, because we know normally mama picks the flavor of ice cream in our house. He said, I can pick whatever I want. I said, son, you can pick whatever you want. And he picked a really good kind. It was a little on the expensive side, but daddy didn't care. Daddy didn't say anything because, man, I was so delighted. And Noah, Noah, Noah took delight in knowing that I was delighted that he got rewarded. There was this mutual delight. And, and it's, uh, that'd be a good name for ice cream, mutual delight. <laughs> but Josh, there was this mutual. He, he was so happy that I was happy, and I was so happy that he was happy that I was happy. <laughs> Did y'all follow that? That's mutual delight. Is that a little easier? <laughs> I don't know what I just said, but I <laughs> look at look at Proverbs fifteen eight. Man, how many of you would love to make the Creator of the universe happy with you? Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about works or performance based love. This has nothing to do with how much God loves you. 
But there is a, there is even in God's love, like I always love my children, but I do not always delight in my children. And do you? No. I don't always delight in what they are doing. I love them always. But there's something about prayer that takes God's love almost to another level. Look at the Bible, Proverbs 15, 8. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked. Read it with me, ready? But he takes delight in the prayers of the upright. God smiles when I pray. Well, I don't know how to pray. God smiles anyway. God smiles when I bring my burdens and cares to him through prayer. Revelation 5.8, this is a little confusing on what it really could potentially mean. There are several schools of thought out there, but I can tell you this. One thing I do know, that Jesus stands up, takes the scroll, and there's four living beings. Well, the angel takes the scroll. He's going to give it to Jesus, who has the power to overcome. And the Bible says in Revelation 5.8, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, and each one had a harp, and they held, they held gold bowls filled with incense, and they're giving to Jesus, the Bible says, which are the prayers of God's people. There are golden bowls in heaven that are incense before the Lord. How many of you have ever walked in and smelled a fresh apple pie or fresh cookies or popcorn, fresh buttery popcorn or Krispy Kreme donuts or, or fresh baked pizza? You know, whatever aroma really gets you going and you're like, man, I got to have one of those, whatever it is, I got to have one. There is an aroma of, uh, in heaven. And you know what that aroma is to God? You know what smells like fresh apple pie to God? Your prayers. The reason I pray is because it is a delight to my Father. The Bible says the gold bowls are filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Don't die with an empty bowl. Don't die with an empty bowl. Fill it in the earth. And what's awesome is, is later on, if you read this all the way through chapter 8, Jesus takes, the, takes the, the bowls and he pours them out, throws them back down to heaven. That's God sending the answer. It's amazing. You should look at it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this teaching this morning. Thank you for stirring our hearts and teaching us your love for prayer. In Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed for just a minute. I want to ask you to ask yourself this question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Now, I gave you eight, but really, I just want you to take one or two. I know I gave you eight, but honestly, simplify. I just want you to take one or two that spoke to your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit right now. Take just a second. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to do with this message? We talked about prayer is how we draw near to the Lord. It's how we cast our burdens on the Lord. It's how we eliminate worry and hurry. It helps guard our hearts. We have the promise God hears us from heaven. It taps into the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, helps us fight and resist temptation, and our Heavenly Father takes delight in our prayers. Would you stand with me? If you need prayer for anything today, we want to pray with you. We want to join with you. Would you join the hand of your neighbor right where you are? 
And I want you to take a second. If you have a need, if you have a, a need, just, just express that to the Lord. We want to agree with you in prayer. I want to ask Pastor Rick if he would come, and I want him to pray a dismissal prayer over us. Lord, we thank you that we have a divine connection to you anytime we need it, anytime we want it, anytime we just want to express something to you. We thank you, Lord, that we connect with you. Every time that we connect with you, you're, you're waiting for us. And that you hear us, that you're a God that we don't have to try to wake up or to try to impress. But everything that we need and everything that we want was all provided through the cross in Jesus Christ, your son. We thank you that your word tells us that we can approach your, your throne boldly and with confidence in our biggest times of need. I pray for everybody here that has big needs this morning, that they would approach you with boldness and confidence. And I thank you that you hear us and that you answer us and that you are the comforter. And we thank you for our, your word this morning that let it take root into our, to our, to our hearts and to our minds, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.